Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, uh, hallelujah. It's good. It's been good. <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, um, I was thinking about, I, I, don't, I don't know Craig really, really well, but a little bit of time that we spent together and hearing his story the other night, I was eating about, you know all those prophetic words about acceleration? Like acceleration is personified in this this guy. It's like literally from the moment that God, the Holy Spirit blasted him and his wife to uh, to today. Seven years later, they've ministered the gospel, of the kingdom, in over 35 nations around the world, and uh, we've just been so blessed to have him here. And uh, he's just an awesome guy. So I want you guys just to welcome Craig, Craig Hensley. Thanks, Matthew. Oh, Whose car keys are these? Dodge, Durango, Dodge? They were probably sewing that into my life. That's well, yeah. Is that yeah. Car? They were the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. How you doing? Good. I like you guys. <laughs> Man, I really like you. You know, it's like some, uh, one of my mentors always says, you know, Craig, some places you go and you bless, and some places you go and you build, you know, relationship. And I, mean, I feel like you guys are family already, you know? It's like so refreshing. You know, you meet so many different kinds of churches, kinds of people, kinds of uh, movements, and, and then there's some places you go and it's just refreshing, you know? I, God did just as much as with me in, the, in worship as, it, as anyone, and so I love you guys. I'm really, really excited. I've had a good time this weekend. You know, I love doing different things. You know, just just setting up a a truck with a with a like an old kitchen in it, and then a stage, and just in the middle of a park, and just I love it. I'm telling you, I just I, there's something so refreshing about just doing different stuff. I'm gonna talk about that a little more, but uh, yeah. So now, before you guys met me, you actually met some of my my our interns from last semester, and uh, um, I know Jesse came down right. Jesse just got a job as a youth pastor in Indiana. 18 years old, and uh, yeah, he's he's pastoring his peers, which is pretty incredible. Gospel was gospel here, gospel with the big mohawk. No, no, he just got through filming Deal or No Deal, so uh, that's that's cool. <laughs> Remember who got you to where you are, gospel. So, yeah, uh, Corey and Kristen and good, and we have some of our new guys, Kevin and Hannah and. Uh, Caitlin and Alyssa was here, and Alyssa just got, well, you got back like two days ago, three days ago, or last week, five days ago, so uh, she's back, and we're having a good time, man. Uh, you know, I live, if you if you don't uh, know, I live up in, uh, right outside of Wilkesboro, um, in Moravian Falls, so I'm based right here in North Carolina, and you know, I, I have such a heart right now in my life for this region. Uh, you know, I, I every, every morning I say, God, you know, I love traveling, I'll always do it, but Man, I want stuff to happen here because, you know, it's like, I hate airports. And if anything else, I would rather slow down my schedule simply because airports and, you know, they're just, they're demon-possessed and I don't have the kind of authority, I don't have the authority just yet to, you know, to overcome that stuff. And I was stuck, last week I was stuck in Germany in Munich airport for like nine hours, you know, no sleep, you know, 24, it, it was just, Wow. It was not, not godly at all. But it's good. It's really good. I just wanted to mention before I start, because I'll forget, uh, uh, if you go to awake.org, that's our, our website, I just want to invite you guys. We, we do uh, revival meetings at least once a month, and we're going to begin to do them a little more up in Wilkesboro. It's not far, what, an hour, 45 minutes, I don't know. Uh, but um, I just wanted to invite you guys because really what we're doing is completely free and uh, we're just getting together and going forward. And sometimes Bob comes up or, or Larry might be there. Josh Baldwin from Morningstar does worship for us. And uh, um, Catherine Mullins, if you watch some of the Lakeland Revival, Catherine from Lakeland is going to be there next month. And So we're having just a good time and uh, we love just forming relationships with people in the area. You know, that's it. It's, it's like... I always say, you know, I might, like, call these guys my interns, but when I'm just with them, you know, I just call them family. You know, we're family, and, I, and our, my whole team, we're all just, you know, that's what we are in the church. We should be. It's just a big family. You know, I was talking to some people recently. I said, you know, the thing with family is and sometimes you, you don't really like each other. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, your, your brother just acts dumb, 
You know, but the thing with family is you can't cut them off. You can't disassociate. You can't. It's just like they're your family, and that's it. And uh, when you think about it in that way, you know, it, it takes a lot more out of you, but, but, it, ta- but uh, it also releases a lot more love. And I believe that's what God's doing. Uh, um, okay, this month, we're actually going to be this weekend is the next uh, meeting. Um, I think it's the 27th. You think it's the 26th? It's the 26th. Uh, that's Friday, I think. Friday night, the 26th. Not yes, if anybody knows that Friday night's the 26th. I am not the admin guy. <laughs> Sometime. So, uh, yeah, we, yeah, come out. It's, uh, the, we have a, a building right there uh, in Wilkesboro. The, the directions are right on our website, awake.org. You can just click on Awake Revival Meeting. And also, listen, if you do any kind of painting or dancing or anything, we invite you just to come, set up a, an easel, set up a canvas, whatever. Uh, we even have tables for the kids. They get back there and, you know, color or or whatever, and do the stuff, and uh, we just go for it, you know, and uh, I'm actually this weekend going to be talking a lot about some apostolic and prophetic planning for the region, and just what I see happening, because I actually believe that God is going to create uh, a New Testament, a new, or or fresh New Testament apostolic model across North Carolina, North and South Carolina is what the Lord said to me, and uh, he said that there was going to be a a relational networking of churches that um, is completely free of, of, of politics, and I said, come on. Come on, Jesus. I can't do it. I know you can, though. And so I'm looking for that, and uh, we just want to connect with people. And so, uh, yeah, just invite you to, uh, uh, you know, come out and be a part and love Jesus and all that stuff. Amen? Amen. So, um, yeah, and also, if you if, if you have, you know, sons and daughters or some of the young people or, you know, we even had one lady, she was 50 and did the internship last semester. So, uh, but if you're interested and say, hey, that's pretty close and, uh, you know, maybe I want to come and take five months out of my life and uh, be a part, then you can find all that info there as well. So, it's good stuff. You know, I, uh, right now in my life, um, I'm both at the same time very, like, unbelievably excited. At the same time, sometimes I'm unbelievably frustrated. But it's a good kind of frustration. Have you ever had a good kind of frustration? Actually, the kind of frustration that causes you to take a step back and evaluate. Evaluate your life. Evaluate why you do what you do, how you do what you do, you know, where you're going, where you've been. And just to take a step back and say, hey, uh, you know, maybe it's time for some change. And um, I, I believe with my entire being that, uh, that, that God is bringing us into, I believe, one of the greatest reformations that the church has ever seen, ever. And I believe that uh, um, we're going to see a release of the love of God um, like the world has never known before. And uh, it's going to change everything. Um, but the thing that God has been speaking to me, you know, most every, you know, a lot of people would ask me, Craig, you know, what is, what's your ministry? Because, you know, it's like, you're not like the normal miracle evangelistic guy. I'm like, no. And uh, I mean, you're kind of prophetic, but you're not really a prophet. You know what? And I'll just say, I don't, I don't know. I'm just a dude, you know. My wife would tell you, you know, he's just, he just like picks his nose, you know, puts his pants on one leg at a time. You know, and everybody's been asking me. They're like, they've been thinking like some of my interns are my wife. My wife is not. She actually is coming down today. Uh, she, I called, she called this morning. She said, I'm, I said, where are you? She said, I'm on my way to Charlotte. I said, finally. We have been here all weekend. She said, oh, I'm going to anthropology in Forever 21. And I was like, oh. So hopefully she'll make it tonight, but if she spends all my money, she better not be there. Anyway, so these are not my wives. They are available, though. I have, apl- I have applications. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so, so, so God's up to good stuff. You know, the thing is, is that I love about the Lord is that he's never, he never gets off the throne. And uh, if you read the back of the book, you know, we win. Things are going good. Smile. You know, that's one of the major reformations, you know, God's bringing to the church. Smiling. You know, that's the next big thing. You know. You know, once it was, used to be the flags, you know. And then the shofars, you know. Back in the early 1900s, it was the, you know, the tambourines, and now it's going to be, I'm just releasing, I'm saying, Lord, smiling. I want that to be the new thing, yeah? So when I was a kid, I, uh, I, was, I, was, I was quite the character, you know? I, uh, I, was, I had an older brother, and my older brother was, uh, you know, he was smart, 
you know, he was kind of uh, uh, perfect, would, I guess would be the good word. You know, if you're a middle child, do we have any other middle, ch- middle children? You know what I'm talking about, you know. I, I, I'm kind of the middle child of a twin sister, but she's seven minutes younger. So technically, I am the middle child. And uh, now my parents actually have a four-year-old, and uh, they, they adopted him. They, that would be impossible, actually. But <laughs> with God, who knows? His name's Alfie. He's from South Africa. But, uh, so I used to be the middle child. Now I'm kind of like I, I share this position with my sister. But anyway, so I have this brother. And then I have my sister, and she's a girl. And after that, you're kind of just, especially if you're a twin, and, and, you know, you have the girl and the boy, well, you know, she's the pretty one. So, of course, she gets all the attention, you know. So what did I do? I did what most any normal child would do, and I... Uh, created my own attention, you know. I, I made I made attention. If attention didn't come find me, I would go find it. And uh, so I was I was quite the hellion for my teachers and my parents at times, you know. I was, and uh, I remember this time. But I, actually, I think it was God preparing me for my calling. Really, it was, you know. And I especially remind my parents, you know, way back then, God was preparing me. This was all part of the master plan. And uh, I, I remember being in. In my this uh, preschool class, four year, four year, we called it four year old kindergarten. I grew up in Mississippi, and uh, I remember being in this kindergarten class, and it's one of the earliest memories I have. But I remember my teacher, and she she comes in the room, and we're all sitting around this this table, and this little this little private Christian school. There, I don't know, there's maybe 15 of us, and she uh, she comes in and she passes out this these uh, these coloring sheets, and she puts them out uh, she puts them all out on the table like this, and. And uh, I don't know. Let's just say they were Mickey Mouse. I don't know who, who it was, or Noah uh, and the Ark. And so uh, it was Noah and the Ark, and you know. And then she she hands each of us this this these crayons. And uh, I looked down. I remember looking down at this thing and looking at it. And I looked at her and I said, "They're all the same." And she said, well, "Yeah, I just you know I don't remember what she said actually, but she you know it was the point of I ran them off the copier there." You know, yeah, they're the same, Craig. And so I looked down and I said, why in the world do we all have the same coloring sheet? And I said, oh, okay, whatever. So I get the, the crayon. And I was like a good four-year-old, you don't hold the crayon like a little pencil. I just grab the thing with my hand like a primate. And I just start coloring on that thing. Just go into town, man. I'm just, man, this is awesome. I only had one color, too. They only gave me one color, you know. And it was probably like some kind of, you know, forest green. You know, they, this is when they were coming out with all the crayon, you know, 104 flavors or whatever. So I'm coloring, 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 and, and, and Noah and the Ark, it's all just green. And I'm just, I'm all over the page. I'm on the desk, you know. And the, my teacher comes up, Craig, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I look up and I'm like, what? And she says, Craig, look, look at little Sally over there. And there was little Sally the vein of my existence this blonde you know she you know she she looked like she looked like a supermodel at 4 years old you know she and uh, she's sitting there with this smile on her face looking at me like and she she's got like already the eyes are different colors that she's shading 4 years old shading she's she's written her name in these little amazing block letters up at the top just to show she could do it you know, look down at my paper, and it's like, and the teacher just says, Craig, you, you, let's just start at, you need to stay inside of the lines. And I said to her, I was like, why? And that was the beginning of my childhood, right there. <laughs> why? And she, I remember this, and she just looks at me, she didn't have an answer. And that's when I began to really mess with adults when I was a child. <laughs> My dad figured out how to, how to fix it. I, I constantly was asking, why, 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 everything why. So my dad just started making up stuff. Have you ever, come on dads. You, we don't, you don't like to admit you don't know the answer. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I remember fi- I was 15, 16 years old finding out stuff that my dad told me. Just baloney. It was not true at all. And I'm like, it's not even true. You know, just 
Because I was always asking, why, why, why? I'm revealing the secrets, you know, even before I have my own children. This is not good. So, so not too long ago, I, uh, the Lord spoke to me, and, and, he, and he said, he said, Craig, I want you to release people to color outside the lines. And he said, I, and, and when he said that, this story came flooding to my memory, and I said, that's it. I said, the thing is, is that we are trained, even as children, to, uh, that we're each given the same sheet. We're each given the same picture. And this picture, this canvas we have, isn't a blank canvas. It's got these lines around it that, that, are, that are our boundaries. And these boundaries, are, they actually are saying, hey, listen, the picture's already been created for you. You know, it's already somebody else is actually the designer. Um, we're just going to give it to you, and you just sit around with the rest of the students, and everybody color the picture the exact same way. Because, see, society would want, wants to tell us exactly who to be, how to do what we do, what we're supposed to do with our life, you know, how, how our childhood is supposed to look, how our life is supposed to look, how our families are, are supposed to look, what we're supposed to dress like, what our body's supposed to look like, everything and in, in everything from... Everything in our life. And even in the church today, we, it's almost like we become a Christian and we're handed this, this coloring book. You know, and it's like, hey, here's all the pictures that you're supposed to color. And here's your little one color to color them. And don't really get too crazy, you know. And here's, here's the lines. And if you do it just like this, then it's going to look just as pretty as little Sally's over there. And I remember as a child, I said, but I don't want to be little Sally. Little Sally is boring. You know, and, and, and she looks at me and, but Craig, look at your coloring sheet. What is that? I don't see Noah. I said, it's a tree. She said, it doesn't look anything like a tree. I said, I don't care. It's what it is. I made it. If I made it, I'm the only one who can tell you what it is. No one else, you know. I see things like this and, and worth millions of dollars in art houses. If they can do it, I can do it, right? I believe that we need to be liberated to color outside the lines. We need to be liberated to do something new and to do something different. If reformation is going to come, and I'm not talking about everything changing because there's some good things that we do. There's some good change, things that have already been changed. It's amazing. The, you know, the Bible says that heaven must receive Jesus until the restoration of all things. Heaven must receive Jesus until the restoration of all things. And we've seen such an acceleration in, in the restoration of things that were lost, especially in the Dark Ages. Uh, over the past 100 years, the, the acceleration has been astounding. But there was a time in the 1500s when the very idea of salvation by faith alone was r very radical. Uh, when Martin Luther wrote his 95 Thesis and nailed it onto the wall of the church, um, a death threat many, many death threats were put out on his head. And you say, what was it that was so radical about what Martin Luther believed? And he was radical. You know, there was even some crazy stuff that dude believed. I mean, he was weird. You know, I can totally relate. And, uh, but the, the basis of his message and why it was so radical was that salvation is by faith. Which today is the very foundation of everything that we believe. It, it, it's not a fringe idea. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's the, it's, it, it's the gospel. It, it is where we begin in our Christian life. But there was a time where people were actually killed for the idea. There was a time that the church was so sure they had it right. That the church was so sure that they knew that the idea of the very foundation of what we believe today was more radical than anything that, that I talk about for sure. There's no death threats on my head yet. You know, I was talking to the interns last night. I said, God, I'm so ready for change. I just want something different. And I said, you know, maybe once I get a death threat on my head for what I'm preaching, then, you know, maybe I know I've arrived somewhere. <laughs> right? No, I hope not. Because, you know, God, in the beginning, when He created the world, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that... 
that God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. And let us give him dominion over the earth. You see, whether we can understand it or not, we were actually created to be like God. We, we were created in the image of the Godhead. And did you know that God is... God, God takes His time, and the way that He created the, the world, and the way He, he created uh, the atmosphere and how precipitation works, that not a single snowflake has ever fallen that is exactly the same. That of all the people that have ever been created, that not a single fingerprint has ever been created the same way twice. That out of all the people that have ever existed, that, that there's not a one person whose, whose, whose DNA makeup, whose cellular structure is exactly the same. That each and every single one of us, I, you know, I, like you said, I, I go many different places to many different ethnic groups and, and areas of the world, and every single person that you see has each been intricately formed and created and actually, actually thought about and created by God Himself. There's not an assembly line in heaven where babies are spit out. The Bible says that, that David said of, uh, of the Lord, he said, he said, I was fearfully and wonderfully made that you... He, he actually says that the Lord, he, he, he sewn him up together. That he formed his, his inward parts. See, God is in the business of never doing the same thing twice. God is in the business uh, of, of, of being creative. God is in the business of, of actually, he himself would never color inside of the lines. You see, God is not into recreating something that somebody has already created. Putting a color book on an assembly line and then sending it out to all the children all over the world, you know, so they can learn what it means to have structure. I believe in structure in a sense, but not in the way that the world has put it upon us, you see. Because as children, we're indoctrinated to look for structure to form who we are and to, to form our ideas and to form our life. And so what I see today is I see a whole generation of young people who have a hard time thinking for themselves at all. I see a whole generation of people, including you know, my age, I mean, a whole, the whole generation living, everyone from old to young, that we're constantly looking for the lines to color inside of. We're constantly looking for what we are supposed to do according to the societal structure rather than what God has called us to do. We're constantly looking for, you, we come into jobs, you know. I've seen this. We come into jobs and it's like, what do I do, you know. You, where's my lines at? You know, just show, you show me exactly how to do it. I'll memorize how to do it. There's no creative thought processes, you know. I turn on the TV today. Oh my gosh. When I say bad, I don't just mean sinful. It's just bad. It's horrible. It's like some one person has one good idea. And they just send the idea down the assembly line. Man, it's like CSI. Good night. How many are there now? I mean, I understand that Law and Order has worked for like 30 years now or something like that. But give it a break. Even if it's not called Law and Order, it still is. You know? You know, in the late 80s and early 90s, you had this show called The Real World that came out on MTV that followed these seven strangers picked to live in a house. Now today, you have entire networks dedicated to just watching people's lives. And we love it! <laughs> They're making breakfast. They're, you know. Now you have these internet sites where people like just chronicle, I'm going to the bathroom. And people subscribe to get updates. Where's Johnny? Johnny's going to the bathroom. Johnny's fixing an egg. And it's, and our and it's like, where did this come from? Where, where, when did this happen where we live our lives so vicariously through other people where, where, where one idea comes forth and if it's an idea that, you know, let's just take it as a side, if it's an idea that makes money, then man, we're going we're gonna to just, just nail it into the ground. And then you bring it into the church. One man... One movement, one church, one, one book. You know, God falls one time because of one song. And man, that's why I was so refreshed this weekend. Because I go somewhere every week almost. It's the same songs. Over, I'm like about to pull my hair out. I know, I'm like, I know He gives and takes away. He gives and I'm just... 
I hear that song one more time, I'm going to yank my... And I've got to sit there and just... Lord, in my heart, I've got to worship. I've got to, you know... I mean, still, I was at a church the other day. Uh, and they were... Uh, it was that, uh, Lord, I lift your name. I'm like, it's like 50 years ago. Come on. And I love old songs. After they're old, put them to bed. Let them come back. <laughs> then they're retro and cool. You know? But man, come up with something fresh. Come up with something new. Take that color and page that they gave you and paint it white. Because you need a blank canvas. You, you, you need to I, just be, be liberated in that. I want you to turn to, to Psalms. 130, uh, verse, uh, 139, the 139th Psalm. This is what I was just talking about, but I want you to listen to this. Psalm 139, verse 13. David says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when yet there was none of them. How precious are also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. You see, David had a revelation. David had a realization that even God took time. When God created me, when God created Craig, He took time, He sat down, he sat down like, like, like an inventor. And he, and he calculated what, he was, what, what, what his desire was with my life. He said he was, it was written in the books. What, what was fa- the days were fashioned for me. And he took what, my calling and he took my destiny and he, and he sat there and looked at me and looked at his love for me. And he formed me out of that. I don't know how he has time to do all of that. But he does it for every single person. Sits down. You fearfully and wonderfully made you were you, you crafted me in my inward parts. The, the the connotation of what he's saying here is that is that it wasn't just God didn't even just say you're created. See see the earth he created by speaking us he actually sits down and he and he intricately touches every single detail of who we are, every every single minute detail he fashions within us, every. How does, how does he know the number of hairs on our head? It's because he put them there. Every single one, bit by bit by bit. Even some of you, he, he forgot some, you think. He didn't forget, you know. He didn't forget. That's what he wanted. That's how he wanted it to be. My, as a child, when I began asking these questions, I do believe that God was preparing me because the way that I live my life with Christ is I realize that it's okay to ask questions. You know, I'm always asking why. To the Lord. Always. Why? And not even things He says to me. You know. Things I see in the earth. I say, Lord, why is it this way? You know, I grew up in the South, and, you know, this is the South. Not quite as South as Mississippi. And you know how it is. I mean, it's like this in many different parts of the world, but here in the South, you know, we love our tradition. Right? Love it. I mean... We worship at the altar of, like, it's just the way it's always been. Right? I mean, now, as a kid, I, I mean, I just, my mom would almost pull her, pull her hair out. Why? And finally, you know, what does she come out with? Come on. Because I said so. You know? You know what that means? I don't know. Sometimes it really means I really don't know. And, and I would ask you even today, I would ask her even today, why? You see... Many times, we, we just do things. And we just do them, and we do them over and over and over and over again. And if I were to ask you why, you really would not know why. Like, why do we do it that way? Why is this how we, set, we try to set each one of our children's childhood up, that it looks like this, that the first 25 years of their life are planned out before we even hear the voice of God on the matter? And many, many times we plan out the 80 years of their life. And this, this is... Cause, well, why? Well, it's just the way it's always been. 
that's my point. Well, you know, going to church. Well, why? You know, why is it that, you know, we 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 do church this way, like like it's the same way, week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, or you know that our idea of evangelism is this way, or that you know this is how you pray for the sick, and this is what happens, and this you know this is what a prophetic word is, you know this is, and and we get this just over and over and over and over and over and eventually just say but why why do we do it that way because it's the only thing we know because the truth is is that most of us have never even known that, that God has given us the ability and the, the directive the commandment to think to ask questions the very reason for growth in your Christian life is that you ask questions the very reason for change in your life is that maybe you admit that maybe what you're doing maybe even used to be effective, but it's not anymore. Maybe it used to be what God was calling you to do, but maybe the season has changed. And I'm constantly, every single day, I'm constantly evaluating me. I'm constantly evaluating what I believe. And I probably more than anybody, I, I, I change my theology on a weekly basis. I do. I'm so unstable, you know. Not the foundation of Jesus Christ and, you know, He's the Son of God. And that's what I want to talk about. But I'm talking about the way that I view God. The way that I understand His ways and His nature. The way that I understand how He looks at people. That, that, that God takes me through different seasons where I, I ask so many questions where I'll actually... There was a time in my life, I walked through a season, I questioned everything about my faith. But you know what? That's not a lack of faith. See, now, the things that I believe, try to talk me out of it. Try, try, I could never, ever, ever even fathom questioning the foundation of my, of my beliefs. I know who Jesus is. I know Him. I, I, I know. Try to tell me the miracles don't happen. You, that, good luck. You know, don't, but don't, don't bet on that one. You know, try to tell me that God doesn't speak. Try to, you, you, you could never convince me. Because I went to a place where I said, God, do you really? You know? Do, r- really? You know, why, God? Why do we do it that way? Why, why is this like this? And the, what I've come up with is simply more questions. Because the more questions you ask, the more questions you're going to have. But the thing is, is that you begin to ask questions, and guess what happens? God is faithful not to just say, because I said so. God will give you answers. God will release a creative spirit in you that you will actually begin to think differently. See, we need a whole generation of inventors. We need a whole generation of people that are willing to do something different, willing to try something different. You heard me say earlier this week, if you were there, that the definitions of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. That's us today. The same thing we think maybe this time it'll work. Maybe this time it'll work. Maybe this, when God's like, hey, I, I, got a, I got a different pattern for today. I got something different for today. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. Turn to uh, Mark. The Gospel of Mark. You know, I just want you to know, I'm not necessarily you know, rebuking you guys. In fact... Some of the things that I've seen here this morning are exactly what I'm talking about. That I think you're doing an amazing job, and I, I feel that spirit here. But I want to release you, even in a personal way, to begin to think differently. To begin to, to do something that no one's ever done before. To begin to actually exercise your faith. You know, the Bible says that a double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. He's unstable in all his ways. That's kind of heavy, but... God spoke to me one day. He said, Craig, you always have a backup plan, don't you? You always have a backup plan. You've always got it all figured out. Craig, the very addition of faith really is just to take risks. To believe in me and to jump off the cliff. To be willing to make mistakes. That gets me in trouble sometimes because I make them. If you're going to try to do anything different, you're going to make mistakes. You know, Thomas Edison didn't one day wake up and go, boom, light bulb. No. Let me tell you, the, the prophetic and apostolic doesn't work like, you know, it's just like you get one dream and boom, everything's perfect. No, it's that 
you figured out 10,000 ways how not to create a light bulb. You know? But the Lord spoke to me. He said, Craig, if you will wake up every single morning being willing to do something different, being willing, willing to try something new, then he said, Craig, you'll probably walk through a season where nothing seemingly is perfect and nothing seemingly works. But he said, one day you'll create a light bulb. One day you'll change the world. One day you, 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 you'll... But Craig, if you, just, if you just look at someone and try to copy everything that they do exactly the same way that they do it, then he said, it'll work up to a point. But he said, it'll never be anything new. You see, if God is going to do something radically different, if God is going to do what, what, what I assume you, you us, and you know, what most of the prophetic you know, movement, revival movement, whatever the heck we are these days, believe is that, God, that we're not just a dying bride who God's going to rescue one day when we almost kill ourselves, but that He's coming back for a bride without wrinkle and without spot, and that, and that we're going to see one of the greatest revivals the world's ever known. If that's going to happen, then the thing is, is that it's not going to happen in our current wineskin. It's not. The Bible says that we need... Listen, and I'm not saying... You don't understand. The Bible says you put old wine into old wineskin and new wine into new wineskin, that they both are preserved. That they both are preserved. But the thing is, is that... See, here we go. Look, look in Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 1. Give me just a few more minutes and listen very carefully. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. All right? You know something good's about to happen when the Pharisees and the scribes show up with Jesus. It's just going to, it's fireworks time, baby. Ready? Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, I remember last semester, my interns were always getting in trouble, you know, for kind of like eating without washing their hands. Not in, not in the literal sense, but it was like, I get in trouble for doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, Craig, that's... No. You can't do it that way. Why? <laughs> uh, because I said so. <laughs> I'm the boss. All right. You get what I'm saying, right? For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders, what that was, was actually... It was... It was, it was um, it was put up there with the, the, the law of Moses, with the Levitical law. And, and what it was, it was oral law. It was, it was tradition that was orally given, uh, but it was put, the tradition of the elders was the oral law that they had to follow, okay? When they come from the marketplace, it's not to eat unless they wash. And there uh, are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Couches? Why? Just what we've done. We hose them down. All right. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? In other words, why are you... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Okay, Jesus. This is, this is crazy. They, they're not really doing what they're supposed to do. You see? Whoa, 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 Jesus. You, you, they're supposed to wash, wash the couch. They just sat on the thing. No washing. What's going on? I mean, they were taken back. Well, this, this doesn't make any sense. You're, you're blowing our minds here. We, you're supposed to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. See, that was the story of Jesus' ministry. The sto- and you know, remember people used to say to me, you know, Craig, when you go to other countries, it's important that you conform to their culture. I say, why? <laughs> well, you know, you've got to relate to the people. You've got to do, you know, what they do. And I said, I don't know I'm going to do that. I don't ever see Jesus conforming to a culture. Jesus had one culture, the culture of the kingdom. See, in fact, the culture of the day said, hey, Jesus, don't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said, hey guys, watch this. The, the culture of the day said, said, you know, oh, woman confounded in adultery. Well, what do you do? You put stoner to death. What does Jesus do? Yet you, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus, was, Jesus constantly was saying, you've heard it said, but I say. 
He was constantly challenging the thought of the day, the system of the day. He was constantly challenging people. He constantly was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the the word repent there means to change the way you look at things, to change the way you evaluate, to change the way you think. Because he was saying this, unless you begin to think differently, unless you open your heart that something different could be, that change could come, then you're going to miss what I'm saying. You're going to crucify me. You're going to miss it. So then Jesus answers them. You know, the Pharisees come with all of this. And he answered and said in verse 6, What did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do you see that? Teaching as doctrine the tradition of the elders. Making it seem like because we've done something for so long, that it's actually doctrine. Because we get to the place where sometimes, you know, this is the way we've done it since childhood. And for you to even think of challenging that, it's almost, I mean, you know, I, I wait, sometimes I'm like, are they going to pick up rocks? Seriously, I might need to get out of here. You know, because there's some sacred cows I'm kicking right over. You know, and, and it's nothing that is actually expressly written in Scripture. It's just like, it's the way we've always done it. And to us, it's become as law. To us, it's become right here. You know, do not commit adultery. Right next to it, you know, the traditions of Sunday morning. Right next to it, the traditions of how church structure is set up. You know, the traditions of here's what it means to be a pastor. Here's what it means to be a leader. Here's what it means to be a worship leader. Here's how worship looks. Here's how prayer looks. Here's what your life in Christ should look like. Here's what your quiet time should look like. Here's what evangelism is. Here's what church is. You see? And if any of that is challenged, it's it's like grinding against sandpaper. Because we've been taught as children to color inside the lines. We've been taught that here is the way things are done. Take your crayon, zip your mouth, and color And I'm calling you to go, why? I'm calling you to begin to think differently. To just take your crayon, make whatever the heck you want to make. So then, he says in verse 8, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of man. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other uh, other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. You absolutely miss what God is saying. But you, because you were too involved in doing what you've always done because it's the way it's always been done. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received me, uh, from me is Corban, that is a gift to, to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down and many such things you do. see, Tradition in and of itself is not bad. See, it's when the tradition gets in the way of God wanting to do something different. You see, I love, I'm a student of revival. I study how revivals happen, the men and women of God that, that, that he used. Studying the stories of Scripture in and of itself is tradition. It's what happened. It's the way things have been done. It's the way things have been set up. But the thing is, is about the, the New Testament is that in, in the, um, it directly after this, I'm not going to read it, but he begins to talk about how defilement does not come from, from outside, but defilement comes from within. That in the New Testament, Jesus, see, Jesus was always saying, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed, committed adultery in your heart. He said, do not murder, but I say, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. You see, in the New Testament... Sin that happens on the outside is simply a byproduct of what's inside. You see, me, me telling with my mouth a lie, that is not the sin. The sin happened in here. See, what comes from without cannot, is not what defiles you. Defilement comes from, from within. D- does, that, does that make sense? You see... 
what I'm really speaking to is not any specific thing that we do in our personal life, the way that we run business. I'm not speaking to any, don't do this, and, I'm, and, and here's, here's Craig Kinsley's list of how to change things. I'm speaking into our mindsets. I, I, I'm wanting to, to see you be liberated. Free your mind. Free your mind. Because we've put our imagination to bed. We, we tell our children, hey, that's not, you know, I think children see angels sometimes. They don't know it's an angel. They're going to call it an imaginary friend. And we're like, okay, you're a little old for that, right? No, that's not real. That's not. How do we know what's real and what's not? I'm just saying. My friend Doug Addison says, if you, if you say I'm just saying, you can say anything you want, you know, while you're preaching. If you say with all due respect, and I'm just saying, your, your bases are covered. So, I'm just saying. You know, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just... I'm just talking and throwing out stuff, right? You know, John, in John 15, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you wish. You shall ask whatever you desire and it will be given to you. Man, talking about throwing a wrench in our theology. I thought, my, you know, I thought what I wanted is evil. But if I abide in you and your words abide in me, that I'll ask what I wish, what I desire, and it will be given to me? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your, your heart. Your heart. You see, we've taken the coloring book into our relationship with Christ. And that what we think, even the prophetic is, is our lines to draw in, to live our life in. That, that we think that we come into relationship with Christ and that we actually become slaves instead of free men. And so what happens is, we, we constantly are saying, oh, you know, I mean, I see people all the time, Craig, tell me what to do. You know, and I'll, I offend them so much because I'll go, well, what do you want to do? Well, that doesn't really matter what I want to do. I just want to know what God wants me to do. Maybe what you want to do is what God wants you to do. I'm just saying. Ask of what you wish. You abide in me. The, the, more that we, the closer we get to Christ, what happens is we begin to think like Him. You see, and I don't wake up every morning and say, God, what, what should I have for breakfast? Toast and peanut butter? Cheerios? Eggs? Fast and pray to lunch. Trying to figure it out. Give me a line, Lord. I need a picture. The color in. I can't, and it's like we, we think we can't make decisions. We, we, we think we can't think anymore. We think that whatever we think has to be wrong. We, and the truth is, is that what happens is, see, Jesus said, and this has kind of been twisted a little bit. We think that Jesus said that, you know, and, and it's a good saying, but I think the meaning of it has been distorted a little bit. That I only do the things that I see the Father doing. What he really said is, the son sees the father, the, fun knows, the son knows the father, and the son does in like manner. See, it, it didn't say that every move and every step that Jesus took, that he first had a vision of what God wanted him to do, and then he did it. It meant that as he walked in relationship with the father, that he actually began to understand how the father did what he did, and he did things the same way that the father does them. You see, when a situation of life comes up and I meet someone, I don't really have time to go, okay. You know, I just begin to try it as best as I can to act like the Father. Because I've been with Him. I don't know everything that He thinks and every way that He does, but I'm learning. And the closer I get to Him, the more I begin to act like Him. See, and that's when if you abide in Him, then you will ask what you wish and it will be given to you. I'm not talking about asking in the flesh. I'm talking about the mind of Christ. The mind of the Father. The mind of the creative mind. The, 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 the mind that says, hey listen, and this is what I've been talking about this weekend. Because in order to understand this, first you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in Christ in you. You've got to believe that you're created for something great, and that you're created for something special. And you can think differently. You can come up with something new. You can be, begin to, to change things. You see, the minute the church begins to think like this is the minute we begin to no longer be marginalized by the, by the world system anymore. 
and they actually begin to take notice of the things that we say and the things that we do because it's not just the same. It's not just the same old, same old. That all of a sudden we begin to break out. We come up with the new sound of music. We come up with the next great idea. We come up with a new energy source. We, we, be, we begin, the church begins to be the ones with the ideas. The ones, because there's a promise in Isaiah 60 that when the glory of God fills the earth, that as darkness uh, grows in the earth, that the glory of God will arise and shine. It will be seen upon us. And then it, it begins to talk about how even kings and princes will come to the brightness of our rising. They'll, they'll come to us and they'll say, what do I do? Now, I believe God is raising a prophetic generation to where, you know, even, you know, I, I know people. I, I know a, a young apostolic minister in another country. And the guy has the ear of, of George Bush at any given time. This guy is not even 30 years old yet. He was taken into a room. He's, his, his prophetic understanding was so that he was grabbed in an elevator by the Secret Service, taken into a room. There was a monitor. There's the president. And he says, son, just start talking. 20, he's 28 years old in, in, in a third world country. <laughs> Nothing. See, that's the kind of thing, because God's changing our mindsets. God's changing what we can see uh, uh, around us. The thing is, at first, it's going to be difficult. You know why? Because there is no pattern, and we want one so bad. See, what I want to see happen, what, what I want to see in the world, I can't even explain in, in English words. I can't explain in any language, in fact. But I can't explain it, because I've never seen it. I've never read about it. I've never heard it. I know it has to do with the glory of God filling the earth. No, it has to do with the, the love like we've never known. But it seems so. That seems so general and generic. I don't know what it's going to look like. But all I know is if I could keep committing myself every single day to trying to do it differently, to not conforming to, to the things that I see, to saying, God, what, what, okay, okay, yes, you've called me to, to, to the, the general consensus of Mark chapter 16. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But that's everyone. But I say, God, what, what about today? How, how, do I, how do I see? Okay, God, you spoke to me seven years ago. And, and, you, and you gave me a heart and you gave me a calling. But God, today, what is it? How can I change things? How can I do it differently? And see, I'm telling you, in the midst of it, you make mistakes. But God is looking for people that are willing to make mistakes. God is looking for people willing. Making a mistake is not sin. I'm going to say it again. And sinning is not making a mistake. Sin is sin. But making a mistake is not sin. Making a mistake is actually you putting faith out there, and you making a mistake is not, not God not coming through either. You making a mistake is you being willing to try, and you being willing to... Making mistakes is part of the relationship process of growing closer to God. You see? Because the more, you make, the more mistakes you make, the more things you know not to do. At least for that season, you might have to try the same thing over again and it might work. You know? I remember when we first started Awake You, our, our internship. Uh, first day I listened to them got there, I was like, I just want you guys to know I have no clue what I'm doing. You know? And <laughs> this couple was like, I'm glad you didn't say that when my parents were still here. And I'm like, yeah, don't tell them that. They need to know that I know exactly what's going on, you know. And so I said, here we go. I just started trying stuff, you know. You know, thank God he worked in their life. I didn't really figure it out till like five months in. I'm like, oh, this is probably the best idea, doing it this way, you know. Everything worked out, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get to, you know, this semester we're in. All of a sudden God's like, Craig, change it. I need you to change everything. You're not going to do what you did last semester. Good night. I just figured it out last week. These are different people. You mean I can't structure it the same way every single time? That's kind of what you do, right? Well, that's what you're supposed to do. It's like you get something that works. You just do it, do it, do it. But the thing is, it's got to say, Craig, these are different people. It's a different, uh, uh, you know, mentality. It's different. They're, they're, they're people. See, Craig... Create structure around people and not try to fit people into structure. You see? Because we got this round hole. We got this square peg and we're like, 
I know you're going to get in there at some point. People get saved. Come here. Get in that round hole. You know, here's the round hole. Fit into this. Here's the list. Don't do this. Do this. Do this. Gosh, that's a lot of stuff. How am I going to? And they don't do it. Condemnation. You see what I'm saying? Free your mind. The rest will follow. Because, okay. I want everybody to stand up. I just want to pray over you guys. Actually, this is what I want to do. Everybody sit back down. We always stand up. Where's that stool? I'm sitting down. You see, there's a difference between, I'm not going to keep preaching, but there's a difference between, you know, being willing to do something different and just being stupid and rebellious. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, but sometimes I do things do things differently just for the sake of doing it. You know, because sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. You know, remember one time, this, and this is probably to you guys, it's not really different, but you know, I like <clears throat> stood up and they were like, Craig, you know, come, come minister to us. And uh, I, uh, I started singing. I don't sing. And I sang for like 20, 30 minutes. And, you, and then you know what I did? I sat down. I closed the meeting. And the pastor, this was a long, this was a long time ago. The pastor comes up to me and he goes, What was that? He goes, where's the, you know, where's the word of knowledge stuff? You know, where's the, and he starts giving me all the stuff that he expected me to do. And the thing is, what most people don't realize, is the minute you start trying to expect me to do that stuff, is the minute I don't do it. (laughs) I'm stubborn like that, you know. One time my wife had this vision. She said, Craig, I got this vision of this monkey. He had symbols in his hand. You just wound him up. She goes, that's you. You just go into a place, they're like, wah, wah, wah. You start going clang, 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 you know, until eventually, guess what happens? Mm. Well, that sucked, you know. <laughs> hey, dude, where's all the business people? I want you just to stand up. If you're in business, or you think you have a calling to business, you know. Because here's the deal. In, in the kingdom of God, we don't have jobs. We have callings. You know. And we have steps to that calling, which might mean, you know, working at Smoothie King or something. That's just a step to your calling. That's just a, a step of what I call faithfulness and promotion. You're faithful to God. God has given you to do today. And it's the building blocks of your destiny. I feel like many of you, even, even standing before me, it's like, uh, you know, you're taking steps. But I don't want you to. And you, you get those, you know, it's like this is like business one-on-one, goals. You put goals in front of you. And I want new goals. I want new dreams in your heart. I want you to begin to expect wherever you are in business to just explode. Just go to the next place. Because God is really breathing on the Joseph anointing. God is really breathing on uh, the marketplace right now. And uh, I believe some of the greatest apostolic leaders we're going to see over the next few years raised up is going to be in the world of business. And uh, I believe we're going to see actually more and more Christian leaders where many people think that in the last days all of a sudden everybody's going to be you know secular and I believe we're going to be getting to see more Christian uh, not just Christian you know as we think of it but I'm talking about on fire hearing the voice of God apostolic uh, politicians and and, and Christian and and business people that sort of thing and so I want to just I just want to release you right now to begin to think creatively to begin to do things differently Begin to take the business model that you have to keep what's working, but what's not, to kill that thing and to co- begin to come up with something new. I pray that God will release upon you a creative spirit, that God will release upon you the spirit of an inventor, the spirit of an inventor and a, a true entrepreneur to pioneer, to go where, where no one else has gone, to be willing to, to take risks, 
to be willing to do things differently. Every great man and woman, the business person that you know of, took a lot of risk, but they paid off. And the thing is, we take them with God, and we're never going to sink. A mistake's never going to sink you. We're never going to lose everything, you know, without gaining something. And everything that you seemingly lose is just a seed in the ground. The Bible says a seed must fall underground and die in order to produce a harvest. So I speak even to the loss. Speak even to your losses. And I say in Jesus' name that a great harvest would come forth. I speak that you are above recession. You are above a bad economy. You don't have to live in that. You can rise above that. I want to speak into you that you have an answer. You have the answer living inside of you. That you have something to offer. You have more to offer. And so, Lord, we release it. I declare favor and authority. Favor and authority. Favor and authority in the name of Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Who do we have? Where do we have... The artists, the singers, those types of people, the arts. I just want you just to stand up. Artists and singers and dancers and, uh, you know, all you weird people. Intercessors, those types of people. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what? You know what you do if you mess up on a canvas? You, you just paint it white. You know, you just paint over it. Clean your canvas off and begin to dream. You know? If you need to just take that crayon, you just grab and just start, you know, and just make something. You know, some of you, you're like, I'm standing up because I want to be an artist, but I don't know how to paint. Free your mind. Free your mind. What does it mean to know how to paint? I don't mean to sound all philosophical and hippie here, but, you know, what does that mean? Know how to paint. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I had this coloring book, <laughs> right? Here's what it looks like. Free your mind. Be liberated. It's for the, the sun sets free. It's free indeed. The Bible says it is for freedom that we've been set free. What does that mean? And it means we've been set free to live in freedom. Not to continue to be and stay in bondage. So I release you to live in, inside of that freedom. To begin to, 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 to come up with a new song. You know? You know, the worshipers that God is really raising up and God's really using are the ones that are willing to sit down in His presence and to write something new, to do something fresh, to put themselves out there, you know, to, to create the sounds of heaven and not just try to recreate a sound in the earth, you know. That's why most of the time I can't stand contemporary Christian music because all they try to do is just do what the world already does. Oh, we're going to reach young people because, you know, we're just going to take the sounds that are popular and just put Jesus in the middle of them. It's right inside the lines. Just keep on coloring. You know, what about a new sound? You know, there's new sounds. There's new sounds to be heard, to be, to be released in the earth. I release you to do it in Jesus' name. You know, those of you that are dancers, you know what? You, you don't have to just do pretty prophetic dancing. I'm just saying. Maybe you could do something new. You know, I don't have any new moves. I have like four moves, you know. And most of them, you know, I don't even move my feet. It's just kind of like, and if I add my head to it, I'm like, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, part of my move is just doing that, yeah. I just say, yeah, yeah. So it's like that. I don't, but hey, I, you know, if I was by myself, maybe I'd try something different, you know. Little, I tried to learn how to moonwalk recently. YouTube is awesome. You just look up, learn how to moonwalk. Look, I was doing it completely wrong. You know? You don't move the foot where your heel is up. You move the other foot. Anyway. And then, and then I learned how to airwalk, where you actually do it in the air, like this. It's awesome. Hannah, can you do that? Hannah's our resident dance expert. But I... Re- <laughs> Sorry. I release you guys just to do it differently. Just to try new moves, right? Just to try... New ways of, of, of doing what you do. New ways of thinking. Because, uh, you know, even in some of you that are listening to Mariah, you're not, you say, I'm not, I'm not really an artist. You need to be in some way. You need to, you need to get that creative thought process flowing. You, you know, you need, to, you need to do what doesn't make sense. You know, it, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You know, you know I, I realized recently that poetry doesn't even rhyme anymore. You know, there's no roses, red, violets, or blues, fire smell good, and so do you. It's like, 
it's just like hakus. It's no rhymes at all, you know. It's just, and I'm like, but it's beautiful somehow. And it actually doesn't sound like just sentences. It's, you know, it's actually, it's poetry. How does that work? You know, it doesn't take, it just takes a creative thought process. And you might think that what I'm talking about, you're like, what is it? Why are we talking about this in church? I'm ready to go to KFC. It's, you know, you know, it's very, very important to get those thought processes flowing, to, to let the Spirit of God, because the voice of God, if you try to think of it in an in a analytical manner, you're not going to hear His voice. Because the things of God do not make sense with the human mind. Amen? I release you in that, in Jesus' name. I release, Lord, the, all the, even the, the sports people and the people, you know, with weird hobbies and I don't know what all you do and, you know, what you're good at, what your talents are at, but everyone in the sound of a voice, I just release you to do it differently. I release you to, in, in, in that favor and authority over your life that, that some of you are like, man, this is where my heart is. You know, I told a few weeks ago, my, my team came into the house. We were having a meeting. And they came in like, like Eeyore. Every single one of them. Just like Eeyore. It's like, how's it going, Craig? It's raining outside. You know? And uh, Doris spoke to me. He said, Craig, ask them to think of the, the moment in their life where they can say, I could do that for the rest of my life. Or I could be in that position or that place for the rest of my life. And I want to encourage you to do that. To begin to come up. You, know, you might not can do it at the, the drop of a hat, but... And I want you to come up with that thing. And I want you to begin to take steps to do it for the rest of your life. Because God will open the door. If you want to paint, and you say, painters are poor. Well, if that's the way it's always been, maybe you can think of something new, something different, something fresh. Just release you to do it. Amen? I mean, Father, literally, let your glory, I just bless this house, Lord. I bless this community. Father, let your glory just rest over our lives. Let your glory rest in this place. I thank you, Lord, that this is a place where they're willing to, to do things differently, Lord. And so, Father, Lord, we, even as a, as a ministry, Lord, we just place our, our, our blessing, Lord, and we just join hands with them, Father. And we say, Lord, I pray that you would, you would begin it here, Lord, right here in North Carolina, Lord, right here on the East Coast, to do something fresh, you do something new, Lord, and that you would reach this world, Father, that you would use us to do it. Father, liberate us, set us free, in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew, you want to close? Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Amen. So I think the Lord's just beginning to clarify some of the Renaissance culture that He's wanting to bring in the church, you know. And uh, so it's interesting the shift that God's bringing. Amen. So, uh, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for pouring out on us, Lord. And thank you for ministering to us. We just bless your name today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys can be dismissed. If you uh, have any needs, we'll have a few ministry team up here, people up here. Just love to pray for you before you leave. And, uh, but otherwise, hopefully we'll see you in the park later this evening.